Hey, friend. Come on in. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me on this special episode. Remember back when we introduced the characters? Well, I just received a little snippet from my scribes. The story is set before the events of the game, a small session in which these two characters meet for the first time. Oh, the notes with the narrator will happen. I was just excited to share this with you. Consider it a taste of what to expect. Ready? Then let's begin. So I think the camera starts outside the tavern and we're winding through the streets, uh, which are cobblestone in most places, but mostly dirt. And we're kind of winding through the streets, walking through people uh, of all different creeds and colors, people in long coats to people in rags, to people wearing bare feet, to people wearing really fancy boots. So as we're panning through and walking through these people, we come across this, I want to say ramshackle, but not entirely. Uh, this place has survived multiple fires, literally being burnt down to the ground and then built back up. We come across the bucket of blood, and as a patron opens the door, we're following them as it enters in. It's not dark, it's not dank, it's not dingy. This place is lively, and it's well lit. Every single table, which is bolted to the floor and too heavy for any Asurin or Eisener to pick up because of multiple instances in which it was deadly to do so, has a glass case lantern that you would see on a ship and a candle, a very large candle inside every single table. There's at least, I want to say, 50 to 60 covers. There are three large bars up against the wall and they're made of huge slabs of driftwood that have been, you know, also bolted down. The chairs, unfortunately, are, there are many. They are not comfortable uh, and they are just sturdy enough. Y you can pick them up. Throwing them wouldn't be good because the large Ifrian man, which is totally not Africa, behind the counter in his late 40s, will stare daggers at you until you put the chair down and use it as it's intended. And he tends to these bars along with all of the bartenders and bar waitresses and things like that. They are dressed in grays and reds, which are the colors of the bucket of blood, and they are milling about doing all sorts of things. And so we follow the camera past this patron going up directly to the bar and sitting on a shelf behind the big Ephrian man who is busy wringing a glass with a rag and kind of like looking around the general area of the bar. As he does, he is the, the owner and operator. So he's speaking with the bartenders. He's speaking with the patrons. There is an old elderly pirate who is missing one finger, part of his ear, his eye, and has uh, a couple of teeth missing. Slides him his grog. I thank you, Dedekumbo. Anytime, lucky servants, and goes about his business. Now, as the camera is panning around and doing the slow view, we see in the corner a man sitting by himself, mostly because of the coat that he is wearing and the rifle that he carries. Wayland, could you describe to us what your character looks like? You see a man dressed in the coat of the Atabian Trading Company. It is dingy. It is torn. It is altogether ruined. 
but still you see the deep blues and the once pearly whites of the coat of an ATC officer. The rest of what he is wearing seems to be found clothing. It is tattered boots, an undershirt that has certainly seen better days, stained as all hell with blood, perhaps his own, perhaps other people's. A red sash that certainly wasn't red when it began, and a tattered hat. All of his clothes seem like they had seen finer days at one point in time, but as they have found themselves on him, they are in a disheveled state. The one thing that does stick out, though, is his weapons, his guns in particular. The rifle that is currently at his side, leaning up against the table that he absentmindedly wraps his fingers on now and again, just making sure that it's still there, is pristine. The barrel and all of the fixings on it from the flintlock to the pythons that hold the metal in place are all shined to a polish. The odd thing about it, though, is that the wood, much like the sash and much like some of his undershirt, seems to be stained a deep crimson red, almost browned, the color of coagulated blood. The same thing with his pistol as well on his hip. Clean-shaven, hair very long down to his mid-back. There's one braid that kind of comes down into otherwise loose flowing hair and one strand of the braid is dyed a deep purple and you can see two other streaks of deep purple in his hair as well and he is staring down every single person in the bar watching every single movement that everyone makes with hawk-like precision and everyone who notices the coat is staring in your direction every once in a while. They'll be sitting at their table, minding their own business, talking business probably. And then every once in a while, there'll be that one sly sipping of the drink. And his eyes meet and sit back. Right as a table is about to muster up the courage to like get up and actually confront you, the door bursts open as if wind has just opened it and caught it on the back end right before it slammed up against the wall and all eyes turn to the door. Everybody who has a pistol is reaching for it. Everybody who has a weapon is reaching for it because this is Aragosta, anything could happen. But they all sigh and go about their business and maybe laugh, hide embarrassed smiles in their drinks as they see. Jesse, please describe what everybody sees large, wide-brimmed hat with a beautifully ostentatious feather of deep crimson that just plumes off, fixes itself as a, a flag. Beautifully windswept, shorter to medium tuft of hair on his head that looks as if it's been like that for days, but not dirty. It's that second day after you've, you know, haven't had a shower. And the way that it looks, it just, it sits right. A light sprinkling of facial hair. <laughs> it's a proper five o'clock shadow short shaved but if you let it go a couple weeks it probably would grow into something a lovely jade green scarf wrap that adorns around his neck hanging loosely not too thick it's you know augusta is a warm place uh, an orange sash and a long billowing purple silk coat adorned with all sorts of color it has seen lots of love from 
many a local tailor around Aracosta. Is this a fit coat to you, then? Oh yeah, this is something that has been cobbled together beautifully in a way that looks like it was meant to be what it looks like when it was first envisioned. It definitely wasn't originally when it was found. It was probably just a a shitty coat he pulled off of a dead corpse, cleaned it up, but he's made it his own in classic Aragostan fashion and style. He's got a simple cutlass at his side and a holster with simple pistol on the other. Jesse is, from anyone's first perspective, a free and young-spirited gentleman. He stands tall and proud. As you walk in, Aidetokumbo perks up immediately upon seeing you and puts his glass down. Jesse, you're late. What do you mean I'm late? Came exactly when I was meant to, Aidetokumbo. Do you think your time is everyone's time here in Aragosta? Hmm? Right, I'm going to let you slide with that. You always do. Get to it. Yeah, yeah. He tosses you a rag from underneath the bench and motions over for one of the younger barmaids. Kind of in her, like, teen is 14, maybe 16, if you're being generous. Hasn't quite grown into her own yet. And she titters over and Adetokumbo looks at her, looks at you. Shoreler Ops. All right. I heard you got a ship. You could see that. Will I be seeing a, a charter from you? He looks over to the wall of hundreds of charters. The camera, as they're having their conversation, pans over to see this massive wall full of old parchment. And some are newer, some are more white, some are very, very old, almost like that dingy yellow. And all of them have ink written on them, and all of them have big giant names of ships emblazoned on the very top. And then beneath that is the smaller lettering. Some of them are very simple and only have maybe one or two small little paragraphs and then a bunch of signatures at the bottom. Others are pages long. There's a ledger, but then there's a page attached to it and then another page attached to it and another page attached to it. And on the wall are also scorch marks in the shape of a paper which are mostly hidden by all of the charters, but you can just barely see it. And there is a space that the camera kind of zooms in on next to a very beautiful looking charter written in the most elegant hand you've ever seen. And some of the signatures there are kind of ratty and and tattered, but the very last signature, the captain's signature, is this beautiful flowing script that Jesse recognizes as his mother's. There is a space for another charter right next to hers. And Aidetokumbo points and says, You know, if she were still here, she'd be real proud of you. You think so? I know so. Well, then I better write up something a bit important, don't you think? I'll keep the space for you. I better. And so you go around. You teach this young woman everything that you do while you're at the bucket of blood. Basically just cleaning up after patrons, making sure that drinks aren't poisoned, which is very rare, but it still happens. Making sure that the lanterns are always lit and always cared for because the bucket of blood has burned down several times. So they take fire safety very seriously. And during the whole interaction, about like 30 minutes of teaching this young girl the ropes, 
A lot of the patrons are given side eye to the corner of the room where a lone man sits with his gun. And every once in a while, your protege will also kind of dart her eyes over and look at the patrons and then dart her eyes over here. And eventually she gets so nervous. She's like wringing her, her fingers and everything. She gets so nervous that she pulls on your coat to get your attention. I do. Um, what seems to be the problem? I, I, I'm really, really afraid a fight is going to break out. Um, everybody's been given that Captain Guy the, the stink eye, or as Lucky Sevens calls it, the fish eye. Identikumbo said I didn't have to, but I don't want to see a fight. I'm really small and fragile, and I really... He reaches out and puts a hand on her shoulder and then brings it up to the side of her face and quietly just says, You got nothing to worry about, all right? Thank you. I'll take care of it. I'll go take care of the candles. Thanks, Jesse. And then she titters off. He winks before she leaves in like a, you go sport. She giggles and, and like jumps and feels a little bit better about her situation. Waylon does notice that little interaction and a soft smile does tickle the edge of his mouth. Jesse takes a moment to just kind of look the man up and down and takes the rag and throws it over his shoulder and walks over and pulls his hat off. You see Waylon just kind of tracing the rim of his mug and finds a little imperfection, just is picking at it while he's keeping his eyes on you. Hey, friend, it's a fine morning for a drink now. Hmm? I'd certainly say so. Don't know that I see the folks staring daggers at me would agree, but I'd say so. Well, that's our to the norm around here. You get used to it after a while. What's your story? He smiles and, and pulls the rag off, off his shoulder and starts kind of cleaning off the other side of the table. Why approach me when no one else has? Stories are all long and complicated, so I don't know if you got time for that. Come from a land, uh, stories are quite important. A place in particular. Stories are important everywhere. You see he hasn't relaxed. Like, every muscle is just ready to move at the drop of a hat. He puts his hat on the table and turns and, and just kind of leans back onto it and puts an arm down. You know something, friend? Aragosta is a place where all sorts of folks come from, especially those that come from particular places. If you catch my drift, you're within good company. He reaches out a hand. Name's Jesse. Jesse Nakansa. Who might you be? Without breaking eye contacts, he reaches his hand and takes Jesse's. Name is Wayland. Wayland Greywall. Jesse's grip is immensely strong. It's a welcoming handshake. It's weird. Jesse's disposition does not seem to equate the strength of that handshake. Wayland's is less so, but he holds firm as much as he can. It's a bit of a surprise, and Wayland takes it as such. You do notice, in particular, and what might not be surprising, while the overall grip is not necessarily as rock-steady as Jesse's, the thumb and forefinger are equally matched to yours. You want something else to drink? Wayland nods. I did a combo! What? Get the good stuff from the back. The big man turns and, and leaves the bar. Is it your first day here? Wayland nods, finishes his drink. No, you ain't. And Wayland just looks at everyone now that Adetokumbo has left the room. There are a lot of fish eye stares, a lot of stink eye stares. 
one particularly large, rustic-looking pirate with metal beads in his beard actually snarls in your direction when you make eye contact mm-hmm. and is crushing his mug in his hand, waiting. It's almost like all of these people are waiting for an excuse to fight. Started a thing you kind of got to deal with now in Aragosta. You're in pirate territory. Waylon gives him a smile. You notice that despite Waylon's appearance, his teeth are pretty immaculate. It's weird. It's almost discomforting. It doesn't match with the rest of what he's got going on. Bit of a strange sort of crew now, ain't it? They don't see folk like this in other parts of the world. I think you stole my line, Mr. Nakansa. You've got uh, quite the appearance about you yourself. I like that coat quite a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mr. Greywall, you are a fascinating sight for this year. Yours is a bit um, peculiar, if I do say so myself. Bit uh, familiar territory around his parts. Not um, not taken kindly to, though, which I'm sure you're aware of. I'm very aware. And I was actually wondering when someone was going to ask instead of assume. All sorts of people come around his parts. So sure. But um, what are you doing with a quote like that here? Well... And he says this rather loudly. For starters, it's not mine. If you notice, you might be able to see where I did it. And he turns around, and there is a bullet hole going right through the back of the coat. Took it from the man it belonged to. If you can call him a man. Or a monster, really. I am. Shot him dead in the chest. Yeah, I can tell. This is less of a statement and more of a trophy. As all things are concerned. Some people seem placated by that. At least the people within earshot. Who don't look very menacing. But also shouldn't be underestimated. A quick nod or a a lifting of the lip. And then back to their drinks. So so most of the non-threatening looking pirates are placated. The gentleman with the beads in his beard. Just grits his teeth a little harder. Didn't expect it to make me many friends, but not going to lie, it's not exactly something I'm used to. Dear God, I wish somebody else had asked before you did. You yourself. You, um, you're an odd one. I like that about you. Very much so. I understand you might be working, but seeing as you're the only one who is chance to sit down with me, would you perhaps... Want to join me for a drink after you're done? My treat. Aye. Be my pleasure. I'll have a good story or two. I got time for a story. Jesse, as you're as you're sitting there talking, you have this strange sense in the back of your head, and you, you know exactly what this is, because you smell hot paper before it happens. The man with the metal beads finally, like, rushes his glass, stands up, and is starting to draw his cutlass and heading for your table. Yes, he stands up and puts his hand out to the man. Wayland hasn't moved. He's got his hand on his gun, but he hasn't moved. A charter on the wall suddenly ignites. If someone is in the middle of drinking, they stop, look at the wall. If they're in the middle of embellishing a tail, they stop, lower their hands. Some men remove their hats. Some men put a hand over their heart. The barmaids, if their tray is empty, they hold it down below and lower their heads. 
the man who is ready to, to hold his cutlass out also pauses. Everyone stops. And the only thing anybody can hear is the sound of burning paper as a charter on the wall begins to burn. Jesse looks over to the wall, pale. Does Wayland know what's happening? No, you don't know what's happening. Not knowing what's going on, but sensing the atmosphere, Wayland would have stood up out of respect. The charter rolls up and just bursts into flames and turns into nothing very, very quickly. Jesse, it was your job to make sure that it didn't go out of control and you actually padded the fire out if it didn't go out on its own. The girl that you were training is standing beneath the charter holding a shell bowl uh, made of abalone and catching the ashes. But then the second that the charter is done burning and the last of the ashes are caught, the man with the metal beads goes to actually make a thrust. Jesse had moved uh, in between that man and this new soul that he's been talking with. And that's when Adetokumbo's hand palms over the man's shoulder, and you see his face on the other side of the pirate. Get out. The man blanches, turns several shades of white, puts his cutlass away, bows his head respectfully, and walks out of the bar. Jesse eyes him as he walks out. Once the last of the ashes have been caught, she turns to Adetokumbo and hands him the shell. He palms the shell in one hand, taps his chest twice. May the winds guide you. And walks out the front door. He holds up the shell and the winds take whatever ashes are left and trail them out. Uh, and then he walks back in. And as soon as the door closes, the murmurs start back up. The stories pick back up. Men who were frozen in place continued to do what they were doing. And everything seems lively again. I ain't never seen anything like that. Welcome to the bucket of blood. What just happened? When a crew is killed or a ship goes down, that's the death of a charter. There's nothing good about a charter burning up like that. It's a premature closing of a book. A chapter out on sea that was never finished. Story untold. Aneta Kumbo finally comes back with your drinks and places the bottle down with two bone shot glasses. What took you so long? Me and my friend here have been patched for the past couple of minutes waiting for your sorry ass to get back here. Keep up that tone with me. I'll keep you here until the dawn, washing the dishes. You couldn't try even if you wanted to. And he punches him in the arm. Adetokumbo's gigantic hand encompasses all of Jesse's head and lightly ruffles his hair. I think I like it better that way. He's off. He runs his hand back through his hair and flips him off. Sir, I apologize for any discomfort my presence might have caused initially. It ain't too common we have people come in with our enemy's colors on, but I have seen Eisners wearing Montaigne colors, so that's no different. Fair. Well, fair. I do find it often that you get a good sense of people when they're uncomfortable. And while that may not have been my intention coming in here, it was certainly enlightening. Well, welcome to Aragosta. How much for the ale? It's on the house. You weeded out a rat unknowingly, and I hate rats. Regardless, let's to prove that it doesn't mean much to me other than having it. He rips off one of the gold buttons of the coat and puts it on the table. For keepsake or expenditure. 
It's up to you. He picks it up and uh, bites it. I never understood why they use perfectly good currency in clothes. <laughs> They're a trading company. They trade in all sorts of manners of nonsense. You'd be right about that. I thank you. The big man holds out his hand. I did the kumbo. Can always find me here at the bucket of blood. Wayland Greywall, you can find me around. He grabs your hand, full hand, and shakes it three times in a crushing grip. It, it, Wayland's whole body just kind of moves with it. And like, it's very taken aback. <laughs> and then he lets go. Akumba's a big man. He does not hide it. He nods to the both of you and heads off to do his work. Have to see it. He holds you in pretty high regard. He's not kicking out of his bar. Beginning to think that I maybe should have introduced myself when I started coming in here. But, as I said before, you learn a lot about people when they're uncomfortable. Been walking here for a while. A lot of these men, I don't know half their names. Here I see nothing about themselves other than the stories they got. You'd be surprised. Zoe, have there been any observations as far as who people are that Wayland has made while watching them watch him? Any any subtle tells that he would have caught as far that might hint to greater insights? You notice that a lot of the people here are just here to have a drink. They're just here on shore leave. They're just here to pass the time. They've either come here to spend their money on drink or to spend it at the Jenny's Hall, and they're not at the Jenny's Hall, so there's that. No, I'm, I'm more referencing any any ticks of the hand or of the eyes or of the ears that I might have noticed to see if anybody has, like if someone's left-handed or if someone prefers swords to guns or vice versa, like anything that, that Wayland would have noticed that might give them a little bit more insight towards who they are. Terragosta, everybody's got something. Everybody's got something, but... More specifically, the 14-year-old, the, the little girl that he was training, is ambidextrous. She's been using her left hand for a lot of things, and then she'll switch to her right hand as easily as that. She At one point, she was uh, cleaning a table, and like her, her hand sweeped and knocked over something, but her, her head was faced this way. She dropped down to grab it while also cleaning the table and like put it back on and that girl, would that sort of be any tell as like a history of maybe acrobatics? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely could uh, attribute it to acrobatics. She also tends to shy away from the more aggressive looking pirates to the point where she, if she has to clean the table, she'll actually wait. She'll like wait and wring her fingers, which is a tell of, of nervousness at least for her. And she's kind of like jittery and like jumping up and down, like tapping, tapping her leg, moving things. So that's indicative of, at least from what your eye is, is someone who needs to always be moving and isn't. I point all of this out, like all of everything that I've seen out to Jesse. Oh, so you're, you're like describing, take that one, for example. Yeah. The set and the other thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Like I said, you can tell a lot about people when they're uncomfortable. It's kept me alive for a long while, and it's gotten me into some times where I might not have been as alive, as you've witnessed. Well, you are sitting right in front of me, as far as I'm aware. That must count for something. It's helped me more often than not. Well, that's the old thing about you. You're fascinating. I can't get any sort of read on you. 
You don't seem the uncomfortable type. I stared at you since you walked in here, and I can tell you a damn thing about yourself that you don't already know. Thank you, Mr. Greywell. Indeed. He raises his glass. Thanks. You've got a peculiar eye for details. Hey, It's um something that's been necessary throughout my life. Especially Grela here. He holds his gun close to him. Now she keeps me out of trouble more often than not. More so than my eyesight. Although perhaps because of my eyesight. <laughs> I'll try not to get uh, on your bedside from far away now. Just in case. Close up, not shy yet. <laughs> That's fair. Although I do have, and he kind of pulls his coat to his side and shows his pistol. Ample opportunity for that as well. Though, you I don't know about. And that is rather exciting. You don't seem like you're lying. No reason to. There's not a lot to lie about. There's always plenty to lie about. If you're an Aragosta, you haven't lived a moment of your life. If you haven't lied at least once. Mr. Greywall. Good to know. And solid advice. Truth be told, all this talk of stories, I don't really have one. I know everybody should, but I find myself uh, on the market, one would say. I haven't been too long here. I was sent by a dear friend. Told me if that there was uh, any place to make a story, this would be the place. And like I said, come from a place where stories are um, a little bit more important than normal. Most folk tend to leave others alone around here. They kind of keep to themselves and talk to the folks they know, bragging about the stories that they seem to have run across or embellished themselves. Tell me now, Mr. Greywall, what sort of story are you envisioning? Or is that yet to be determined? A grand question, Mr. Aconta. A grand question indeed. Truth be told, you don't know. I'm from Avalon. Stories hold power. Stories there are who you are. I want a story. I'm not sure what kind yet, but I want a story. Where do you think my story starts? Looking out of the window, what is visible if we're by a window? You are by a window. It's kind of dusty and, and dingy, uh, but uh, the barmaids try their best to keep as much smoke off of it as possible. You can see the street very clearly, and also Aragosta is kind of a hill, so you can see the massive claws of Aragosta and out all the way to the horizon. You can just barely see the ships lulling in port um, and like the small dots of little people running around. And the camera kind of like pans out and sees all of that and turns back to look at the both of you at your table through the opposite side of the window. He points out, see that out there? Mr. Greywall, that's your story. More than likely on the docks here. Yeah. Perhaps here, yeah, a bit closer. Aye. Mr. Rekunsa, I believe you're right. How do you feel about joining a crew? He is, um, smile kind of fades for a second, and his eyes just kind of stare off into the distance before snapping right back. He's never gone for too long. I, I think, I think a crew might do me good. I think I've been too long without one. Been back in port for a couple of weeks now. Lost majority of my crew in a bad storm. Lost all of them. Are you captain? Aye. 
Captain Jason Akansa kind of tips his hat that he's since returned back to his head. You see a flash in Waylon's eyes of recognition. Mr. Greywad, don't mind me mentioning, but it looks like you've seen a ghost. Hi. Ghosts are a funny thing. Tricks of the mind, sometimes very real. Ghost of the future, maybe. You're looking for a crew, yeah? I... I am. He thinks for a long moment. For the first time since you've seen him, his eyes are on no one in the room. He's just staring halfway at the table and halfway off into the distance. You got a need for, um... Got a need for someone who's good with, uh... Firearms. I think so. Really? I don't, I don't know how to go about uh, saying this. If you'd have me, I'd be willing. And he grips his gun tight and white knuckles it, nervous in your response. I've only got one question for you. Aye. You've sailed on a ship, right? Aye. <laughs> I sailed on a ship. Thank the gods. You'd be surprised how many say that they have and really have not stepped foot. I believe... Believe me, I've seen my fair share. I just haven't laughed that hard in so long. I felt good. Uh, Kumbo actually uh, has been watching this whole exchange uh, and comes over and his big hand grabs the jug and pours the shots for you two and plugs the cork and looks at Jesse and then looks at, uh, at Wayland. A lot of people don't know how to sail. They just hop the ship and think they know, I'll just pull some ropes or I'll just bring the anchor up. It's much different. You find a lot of that here at the Bucket of Blood. Truly, truly sorry about all of that. Stop saying you're sorry and do something about it. Mr. Greywall, I'd like to almost formally welcome you to the crew of La Rosa Blanca, the White Rose. Suppose I'm doing something about it right now. That'd be my pleasure. Uh, so do you guys pick up your drinks and and clink? Hi. He raises his glass. Clinks. Hi. Oh shit! Yeah. God damn. As the camera is panning away, it lifts up from the bucket of blood, lifts up above from Aragosta, lifts up above, 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 and we fade into the sun. And that's where their story begins. Pretty great, right? They sound like quite a pair. I cannot wait to tell you the rest. I know, I know. Have some patience. I promise not to leave anything out. Hmm? Yes. The first notes with the narrator will be up next week, as planned. As I said before, I'll be going over the mechanics of 7C and delving a little bit deeper into the game. So you have a better idea and understanding of it. I don't want to lose you in the jargon of game terms while I'm telling the story. Well, of course. If you want, you can go to www.chaosium.com forward slash 7C to find out more for yourself. Yeah, with the number 7. And just to be clear, while the writer's room was created for 7C... We're not affiliated or endorsed or sponsored specifically by John Wick Presents or Chaosium Inc. You know, the 
creator and the publisher. All trademarks and copyrights belong to them. I'm just here to tell the stories. Anyway, thanks for coming. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Be safe and well. <laughs>